This Knowledge at Wharton podcast was produced in conjunction with GE Capital. For more information, please visit gecapital.com slash Americas. I'd like to welcome two experts on transportation to today's podcast at Knowledge at Wharton. They are Bruce Allen, and he's a professor emeritus of business economics and public policy at Wharton, and Dan Clark, who's the president and general manager of transportation finance at GE Capital Equipment Finance. Uh, It's a pleasure to have both of you with us today, and we're going to look at some of the most pressing issues in the U.S. trucking industry. So thanks for joining us. It's great to be here. Yeah, great to be here. I want to start out with an overview of the trucking industry's economic prospects. Uh, uh, The industry, as I understand it, tends to run in cycles with downturns about once every five to seven years or so. And um, from what I gather, we look to be in year five or six of that cycle uh, with no downturn in sight at the moment. So I'm wondering what you think the next couple of years look like for the industry. Dan, perhaps you could start. Sure. Uh, I agree with you. It's a it's an abnormal cycle at this point, but looking out probably three to four years, it, it still looks fairly good. Uh, we've seen capacity continue to tighten within the fleet, U.S. fleet, and that's unusual for this part of the cycle. Normally, you have some excess build and excess capacity building up so that you start to see the early signs of a downturn. But uh, unlike other cycles, the fleets are being much more conservative during this this one. And I'd like to think that they've learned a lot through the other cycles, but I think a lot, some of the real cause is, you know, there's new regulations that are kind of inhibiting them, along with the fact that there's just not a good driver supply to add, add to the U.S. fleet. So the combination of those two, along with some conservatism from, from recent downturns or previous downturns, is, is causing, you know, the, the site to look fairly good for about three to four years at least at this point. Bruce, what's your view? Yeah, I've. Uh, it depends on how you define cyclicality. Uh, I look at it in terms of how busy they are, what they're doing, and the measure is ton miles. And actually, if you go back to 1990, it's been monotonically increasing until the peak in 2008. Now, some years grow more and some years grow less. Um, I don't like to do a lot of forecasting because forecasters are notoriously, notoriously wrong. Uh, but nevertheless, I went back and kind of looked from 1990 to 2009. And if you look at that with respect to real GDP, so you take out the inflation there, there's an amazing correlation of, of 0.98 between trucking ton miles and real GDP. Uh, if you do a subset, I was surprised at this, by the way. So then I did a subset from 2000 to 2009. Because I think the economy is changing now. I mean, what kind of stuff in the information economy has to move by truck? Certainly less than in the non-information economy. Some, but not as much. But the correlation between 2000 and 2009 is 0.86, which is a very high correlation. So if you look then and what are the projections for real GDP in the future, and the Congressional Budget Office has done so, And in 2014, it's 3.1%, 3.4%. In 2015, same in 16, 2.7% in 17. And then in 2018 to 2023, 2.2%. So if you believe in that correlation there, it would tend to indicate that that trucking is going to uh, do well. 
I must say, however, the CBO revised significantly their forecast from 2012 to 2013 going out that many years. So, again, I think forecasting is sort of a dangerous game. But I'm basically optimistic because I think the, as the economy grows, trucking is going to grow. Okay, thank you. Um, there hasn't been a transportation bill in Congress for the last couple of years, uh, and that means a little new spending on highways. Uh, Bruce, maybe you can take this one first. How important is that to the trucking industry? So, in other words, where are some of the implications regarding efficiency? If you're not fixing up your bridges and roads or, or expanding even, uh, then you get more traffic congestion and that can be lost uh, travel time, which in an age of just-in-time inventories can matter a lot to customers. Yeah, it's yeah, the roads are pretty bad out there. The American Society of Civil Engineers gives a report card for all the infrastructure in the country. Uh, and the one that the 2013 report card was for bridges, C+. That's actually a pretty good grade out there, but they call that mediocre. Uh, for the roads, it was a D, and they call that poor. So this is just horrible. You know, our students, will, we won't allow a student to graduate with a D average here. It's a passing grade, but you can't graduate from Penn if your average is a D. Uh, so it's, it's awful in terms of the deficit we have out there. The National Surface Transportation Infrastructure Financing Commission says that we need $131 billion a year in the 2008 to 2035 period just to maintain the highways and even more if we wanted to upgrade them. The Texas Transportation Institute at Texas A&M does a study every year of congestion. And their 2013 report, which actually reflects data from earlier years, but not that much earlier, estimates that trucking congestion, the trucking congestion cost is about $27 billion. So bad roads are bad for the truckers. And it means that trucking is going to be less reliable because there are going to be failures and you can't get from A to B and what you would if the road was in pristine condition. But the big thing also is congestion. You can't count on when you can get from A to B. If it was an unobstructed road, you could pretty much predict when you'd get from A to B. But with congestion on the road, it's very difficult to project. And some of these just-in-time things, by the way, are 15-minute windows. Yeah, that, you're exactly right. I mean, when you look at the... the Infrastructure it is in dire need of modernization. I mean, if you if you look across the the country, uh, we, you know we need a sustainable long term uh, plan. The, the, the short term approaches or no approach that we've had the last few years just is not working for the industry at all. And as the professor stated, I mean, this is the current condition of the highways really threaten the dependability of the delivery system. I mean, it's it's not uncommon for uh, a load to be leaving the East Coast, say Atlanta, and to be in, uh, have a timeline to be in Los Angeles market within a two to three hour window. So you're going clear across the country and with the conditions of the roads and bridges and, and congestion especially, uh, that's just not, you know, it, it really threatens the long-term viability. Until this year, we had a, uh, we ran a kind of a three-day seminar sponsored by AASHTO, which is the American Association of State Highway Transportation Officials, and, and DOT, uh, on infrastructure financing. And our constituent audience was State Department of Transportation heads and also CFOs and then sometimes their high-level staff. And they all see this problem and you know, they're all tearing their hair out as to how to solve this particular problem. And, of course, not only does it affect the trucks, but you and I drive across those same roads, and we experience the same thing. 
That's why some of those trucks are passing us going so fast. They're trying to make up some time. Well, be, be <laughs> careful now. Lots of the trucks now to conserve fuel have governors on them, and, uh-huh. and uh, that's why you can actually pass trucks on highways now. Okay. And that, that hurts the safety factor as well when they're, they're going along at 60 to 62 miles an hour on average, and, and the automobiles are going closer to 70. That can cause extra problems. Uh, another big issue for the industry right now uh, are rising costs. The, the, the two main ones often cited are uh, fuel and labor. So uh, maybe, uh, Dan, you could field this one first. What, how big of a, of a problem is that for the trucking industry right now? Well, both, both are obviously the, the two largest expenses within the industry. Uh, fuel is one that over the last you know, 10, 15 years has seen consistent increases, and at, at, but right now it's at a relatively high level and, and staying constant. Uh, the good thing with fuel is that there's fuel surcharges in place with most uh, shippers. So therefore, once the fuel gets ab- above, and, and quite honestly, the, the fuel surcharge is generally set at a dollar. So once it's above a dollar, everything there above that is set on fuel surcharge. So that gets passed on. Where the where the pain comes is when you see the the quick spikes up because that drains cash flow and then takes a period of time for them to be able to generate the cash to, to level it out over a period of time. Now, drivers, on the other hand, are, are a major challenge. Uh, the typical you know, the, uh, fleet within the U.S., the, the smaller fleets have about 70% turnover on an annual basis, while the larger fleets will end up you know, 90 to 100% turnover on their drivers. And it's, it's a continual rotation. So you not only have a lot of turnover, you don't have enough drivers, as I spoke about earlier, in the population. So this is a constant turmoil within the industry, and it's only getting worse because the population of drivers continue to age. Right now, the typical driver will make about $60,000 a year. In my opinion, that that is going to have to probably increase to seventy dollars to $75,000 a year to start getting new people to come into the industry to, to drive the trucks. This is, this is long-haul drivers we're talking about, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, Bruce, what's your view? Yeah, no, I, I agree with what Dan says, and uh, the guys are continuously jumping, and it always amazed me when I first saw this, and this has been going on for a long time, this 100% turnover rate. That, that means the guy you see, you know, we used to say in college, the, the person that you see next to you, you know, one out of four of those guys won't be there at graduation. But in the trucking industry, it's the guy who is next to you won't be there next year. And wait a minute, you won't be there next year either. Right, it's just mind-boggling. So you have to continuously train and go through the hiring process and so on. It's the grass is always greener type of situation that you see out there. Uh, as Dan mentioned, there's, there really is a big aging. There's a tremendous percentage, maybe 20% or more, that are within 10 years of retirement. It used to be a, in the 70s and 80s, it was a glamorous industry, the last cowboy uh, King of the Road, Smokey and the Bandit, BJ and the Bear, uh, convoy type of TV shows and songs. But uh, the current group of individuals just aren't interested in that kind of lifestyle. And uh, you think, and that with the unemployment rate so high, uh, that there ought to be just a bevy of individuals that would qualify to work in the industry. And one of the big difficulties is that it does take some degree of talent to drive a truck. It's not like driving your Volkswagen Beetle, but that's not insurmountable. And one of the biggest challenges is within the industry is just getting 
the the new population in and and the the view of of a truck driver. We I was at doing a, a speech here a few weeks ago and made a comment to it was an audience of transportation executives and, and other people in the industry. And I said, how many of you look around your dining room table at your children that are growing up and say, I'd like them to be a truck driver? And, you know, these people have been in the industry, and obviously nobody raised their hand. And I think that, that there's a major perception issue within the industry about truck driving, and, and that's something the industry has to work on diligently to try to change. Can you give me a rough estimate of uh, the percent of labor involved in, you know, the cost of delivering a given shipment, an average shipment? Like an order of magnitude, is it large, is it small, is it medium? Oh, uh, I think it's it's large. Uh, sure. I can remember in the airline industries when fuel actually took over from labor as being the highest uh, situation. Uh, and that was over 30% of the operating cost of running an airline. Uh, but I don't know what it is. In the, I'm the sure it's industry. north. I'm, I, I was just going to guess somewhere in the 30%, because if you figure $60,000 average salary, they run 120,000 miles a year. That's 50 cents a mile uh, right off the top on, on, uh, on labor. And, you know, fuel would be somewhere, give or take, 70 cents a mile. So they're right, right in the same range of what it would be. Yeah, that's about right because, the, you know, we think about fuel efficiency standards and these guys are out there making six to seven miles a gallon. So uh, if what Dan mentioned at the outset of, of, of this question is that the uh, uh, salaries might have to go from averaging 50 to 70 or 75,000, then that's – uh, do some rough math in my head. That's you're talking now labor costs jumping from like maybe thirty percent to forty percent, something like that, maybe a little bit more. Uh, but if everyone has to do that, um, is there not a level playing field? Just like when when the cost of fuel goes up, everyone has to pay it. Yes, it gets reflected somewhere in the prices that you know end users may use and all that. But is there is there some sort of like a balancing effect that you know? I, I mean, everyone doesn't do it all at once, and some people will suffer that have more trouble hiring drivers. But is there, you know, if that has to happen, uh, isn't it just a matter of, not a simple matter, but a matter of passing costs on? It's a free market. Yeah, yeah I think you're exactly right. It'll, it's more of a timing issue of whether it'll be, how it'll be passed on who, and what shippers allow it at what time frame. But you're exactly right. And the one uh, area that we're, that's going to help in that regard is, is, like I spoke about earlier, the sheer capacity. Capacity is getting very tight right now. Matter of fact, if you look at the spot market, which is what is paid to haul a shipment that is not under contract, it's at very high levels. So what what that's saying is that the overall capacity in the industry is is very very tight. So what you're going to be able to see is they will the fleets will be able to pass on cost increase, which instead of going to the profit line to the net income line, will go off on the expense line, but hopefully be able to retain their drivers and and bring more in. Yeah. I agree. I think the other the other constraint is just sort of the elasticity of demand question. You know, you charge what the traffic will bear for the commodities, and is there a limit on what the commodities will bear? And and might you switch traffic to rail? For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.